welcome back to another episode of the Hall of Justice Comic Cast. As always, you've got Above Average Joe here and... Mighty Mac! Alright, we're back for our season two premiere. Yeah, getting really mm-hmm. excited here. Mm-hmm. You guys thought we First were time. gone. <laughs> we're we back! Alright, so, um, you know, Mike, what are we, what are we covering, covering today? The Man of Steel himself and his just huge, huge landmark issue, Action Comics... 1,000! Yeah. Big, big number up there. Not a, not a lot of uh, people reach that pinnacle of a 1,000-issue comic run for a character. There's been very few, even outside of comics and, and other cultures' form of comics like Mango or Manhwa. It's, it's literally generally unheard of. I mean, Ichiro Oda with One Piece is, is approaching it. Yeah. I believe it's uh, almost 1,000 issues. Detective Comics is right up there. It's yeah. like 980 it's, something it's right now. Right on its sales, but... It, it's it's a huge milestone, and we're kind of here to, to celebrate it, discuss it, talk about it, kind of uh, go under a magnifying glass, look at it, and what it means for comics to also to have an issue that's uh, a, a main serial line that's gone 1,000 issues. That's, yep. that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, but it also coincided with Superman's 80th anniversary, mm-hmm. so big thing there. In fact, uh, before we dive into the issue itself, I had the chance to sit in on the Action Comics 1,000 yes, panel yes, he did. at, at C2E2, and... The big thing about this issue and the big thing that they were hyping was the trunks are back. Mm-hmm, Superman's mm-hmm. red trunks are back. <laughs> oh, oh! there's a funny, funny thing in this issue. Oh, I'll let you continue, though. Yeah. So, of course, the trunks are back, and it's kind of a MacGuffin. Everyone was having a lot of fun with it. In fact, at the panel, when they were talking about it, at the end of the panel, they gave everyone a pair of Superman trunks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you, you could get Superman underwear. It had like, a hashtag on the back that says the trunks are back. In fact, yeah. there's a pretty funny photo on oh, our Instagram definitely. that you guys need, all need to go check out because I very proudly pulled them on and walked around the show floor yep. in a pair of it's beautiful. red underwear. It's beautiful. My wife didn't talk to me for the rest of the day. <laughs> it was hilariously awkward. Um, especially going through the DC booth with that on my ass, mm-hmm. it was <laughs> it was pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, let's let's dive in. So, just kind of a thirty thousand foot view of the issue. There's not a whole lot of main story in this issue. It's yeah. really just kind of a testament to Superman and a an homage to him as a character and what he means to the world and to the audience. Yeah, it's really it's an eighty page kind of like anthology series almost of, of just a bunch of individual stories that, that different artists and writers contributed to that each one's trying to sum up and symbolize what Superman means to them and the impact it's had on their comic career and trying to wrap that all up into a six to ten issue little story uh, that it all comes off very, like just just the first uh, the first one almost had me tearing up a little bit talking about um, what Superman means to everybody. Well, yeah, let's issue. let's dive into that. Uh, the very first story in the issue mm-hmm. is from the city that has everything. So that's yep. kind of a nod to the famous Alan Moore uh, storyline for the man who has everything. Yes. And the the whole premise of this issue is Superman is getting the key to the city. Yep. And the entire city of Metropolis is waiting for him. They're all they're all decked out. It's a huge parade, and he's doing everything in his power to not be there because he hates these things. Yes, yes, he doesn't want the publicity at all. He doesn't want the publicity, and he's in space, and 
a an inopportune invasion comes through, and mm-hmm. it's 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 written by Dan Jurgens, who of course was Mister Doomsday. He wrote Superman throughout most of the nineties. Mm-hmm. He was the one who killed him and brought him back. <laughs> He's been the front man on Action Comics since Rebirth, mm-hmm. so it was kind of fitting that he told the first story off. Gets the tea off, yeah. And he was the writer and artist on this, so it has a very classic feel. Yes. And the way he writes Superman being kind of dismissive in the way he's taking out uh, this <laughs> this invasion fleet, it's yeah. it's really hilarious and just shows how, I won't say jaded Superman is, but how unimpressed he is in certain times in his career with yeah. what's about to happen. Uh, but yeah, Mike, what's, what, I mean, take it from there. So, what else do you... Uh, like, I, the, the thing I love about it is, it's Superman is the city, Metropolis has got together and it's a city really that has been around Superman his whole life and, and, and he is the the symbol of hope and freedom and justice for Metropolis and it's just it gets really emotional because it starts off with the mayor talking about getting up and, and why they're having a Superman appreciation day and the, the thing how thankful they are for him and it proceeds to each person stands up and tells a story in their life of how Superman saved them and gave them hope at, at just the right time that they needed it and it proceeds, you know, the typical rescue stories, the fireman, the cop that uh, that he helped. Yeah, Maggie Sawyer uh, was a big supporting character yes. in Superman Mythos. She gives a big speech about him in the Major Crimes Unit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a really touching moment to me where a, a reformed criminal gets up to talk and, and John is like, why are they letting a criminal talk? I don't, I don't get it. And he's like, and Clark's like, Shh, listen, listen, let him talk. And he tells him that like, he just kept getting busted into Superman over and over again. And he gave him, but he gave him a chance because he he knew that he had come from nothing and orphaned and he had hard times. And he, he almost got himself killed in the last heist that he did for uh, the, the skull. And he was like, hey, Superman gave him a chance. And, and he changed him. He reformed. He turned into a completely different person. And he was just up there to thank Superman for that. And Clark just like, that's why we let him talk. And John was like, oh, wow, I, I get it. Yeah, there, so there's a big teaching moment there. And, of course, right after this, Superman, you know, sees something going on, like, mm-hmm. in orbit around Venus. Because he's really looking – Clark is really looking for reasons to get out of there. Yes. Um, which, again, kind of plays to his shy, retiring farm boy nature. Yeah. yeah I, I like that it wasn't just, oh, I hate these things. It was like, no, this this make Clark this makes sense for Clark. Like, yes. This, he would want this. And just as he's like, he rips the shirt open, he takes off the glasses, he flies up into the air, and boom, Wonder Woman's in his way. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, go back to them, Clark. They need you. We've got this. And yeah. he's like, what? What? The, the Justice League? You guys can't, you know, handle what's coming. And yeah. she says, no, not just the Justice League. And it pans down, and it's pretty much every hero in the DC universe. Yeah. I mean, just zooming in on the panel here, of course, you got, you know, Superman himself, Wonder Woman. All of the Earth Green Lanterns, mm-hmm. uh, Batman, Robin, Nightwing, Supergirl, I mean, even some Steel, of Superman's. Like, it's the whole plethora. Yeah. It's, it's everybody. And it's really. And the and one it's... I find funny back there is right in the back is Deathstroke. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I was like, that was interesting. It's, it's, I think it's really funny, too, that like throughout the entire, uh, that story, Lois is on the phone and saying, no, Perry, you can't talk to him right now. No, Perry, no. And it's actually Batman. And he's trying to get uh, Lois to let Superman come and help them out in the event. Because uh, then Perry walks on stage to talk about Superman. And that's when he's like, you're not talking to Perry. And it turns out that Marv, uh, I said Marvin the Martian, again, I did it like twice in the Managed Manager episode. I almost did it again. John Johns, apparently, has been uh, 
tele- telepathically tweaking his mind. So he keeps thinking he sees things and he's like, or hears things. And it's been Ja'on that's like, nope, there's nothing there. Pay no heed. We got to take care of this. And yeah. he's been tweaking it just so he'd be unbothered so he had to go to the awards everybody. It's just real funny. It's kind of hilarious that it takes every hero in the DC universe in order to for, for Superman to take a day off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's the first storyline, which is for the city that has everything. Yes. Then we go into the never-ending battle, mm-hmm. which is a story of... It's it's done kind of in, in two ways. It's it's mainly about Vandal Savage yes. and his cascading through timelines, but you also get a look at Superman throughout his throughout history, the ages, yeah, and through each, uh, really through each, through each era decade. of comic, uh, like the Silver Age, the Golden Age, and everything. It, it really breaks it down how he was like, oh, back in simpler times before I had heat vision and, and, and uh, super uh, supersonic speed and all this other things and it was just he was, when like, he was just really really tough guy yeah. that took down gangsters and it's done by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason who are of course the creative team for Superman the Superman title since Rebirth yes wonderful, um, wonderful. great creative team and the, the really cool thing about this story because it's very simple in terms of dialogue but the art the art is brilliant because you actually see uh, Patrick Gleason drawing mm-hmm. Superman out of each decade, at his, like yeah, you see the drawn. you see the the thirties and forties Superman, you see the fifties kind of Christopher Reeve, yeah, or sorry George Reeve Superman. You see even going into the sixties and seventies, and even some of the nineties stuff with the energy panel war where Randall uh, Vandal Savage starts using other Supermans to fight him throughout his history, and it's three individually drawn Supermans. It's one huge uh, page, full page splash, and it's like the. 1960s 1970s cartoon animated superman from the the first animated uh superman movie that was way back when i and you, the saturation on the colors are all different uh, from oh yeah the, and it's, it's just so well done it in the cool thing about that panel is it's also a slight homage to infinite crisis where the superboys are fighting mm, i didn't even pick up on that yeah, yeah so right. it, the, the, the 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 posture there but mike's right the art each it is so easy to pick out which Superman's what. Yeah, not only paying attention to the style, but the coloring. Of the coloring, the coloring yeah, the coloring is great texture. It's just great. And the the whole issue ends. In fact, there's a, there's another one coming up where uh, they actually kind of echo the Superman the movie, but also Superman the animated series. Mm-hmm. It shows Superman stuck in the Phantom Zone in that kind of floating mirror thing that we saw in the movie. But if you look down, you see in the TV show that was Jax Ur and another character I can't remember her name off the top of my head but they're drawn in the style of the animated series yes so Jax Ur being the cartoon equivalent of Zod they were able to tie that in so I thought that was a really cool nod and I also I love the the uh, the black suit Superman with the with the silver crest oh the, the resurrection Superman resurrection fighting Mongol Superman the, uh, the Nicolas Cage Superman as I like to call him oh god <laughs> Um, and it, the storyline really ends with kind of a, a shot of Superman's recent history against Vandal Savage. It shows mm-hmm. the New 52 Superman, the Superman Lois and Clark, and then both of the Rebirth Superman as he, you know, pre-Superman Reborn and then the recoalesced Superman. Yep. Taking down Vandal Savage. And at the end of it, it is a birthday party. You realize yes. that Superman this entire time has been talking to Lois and Clark not Lois and Clark. He's talk- he is Clark. Lois and John giving the speech before he blows out the candles on his cake. <laughs> and it's just, it's really cute. It's really funny. Even Crypto's there. 
And what I like about it is you have this very in, you've this very heartfelt tale throughout t- Superman's entire history, and it ends with Lois saying, "Okay, would you just shut up and blow out the candles?" It's really funny. Uh, looks like there's 85. Sorry, I was quiet for a bit, so I was counting the candles. You're counting the candles. I was like 85 candles on that cake, <laughs> and I was like, ah, I wonder what how they're representing his age in this panel. And it looks like we're at 85. So so that leads us into uh, the enemy within, um, and this one is it talks about how how basically about hope and how Superman believes that everybody there is good in everybody in the world and that's why he be- not only do we believe in him but he believes in us uh, and how he has to put his faith in us because he can't literally be every place at once. And there's a there's a there's a gunman at a school that's being controlled uh, by Brainiac uh, to shoot a student, and he's on the other side of the world in Tokyo fighting the other Brainiac's other distractions. Uh, and it, it's revealed that oh, Brainiac only released Jones in Tokyo so he could test his mind control stuff in Metropolis unhindered without him there. And it's it's real sweet. I think it's only like six six panels or six pages but it's just the way they word it and the way it's like it's not it's a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. it's a hope hope goes both ways in order for you to believe in me i have to be able to believe in you and that's just really like touching and sweet and it adds like a a quintessential cornerstone to superman that's not really explored about because it's hope you like he's always the symbol of hope but it's never talked about that like He's able to have hope and keep that up because he believes in us. Exactly. And the cool thing is this is a, a story that really focuses on Superman's supporting cast. Like the main character mm-hmm. in this is Maggie Sawyer, which is kind of like his Jim Gordon. Yeah, Superman's in really not in it. It's him narrating. I think he's in He's only, only in page, the last page. The last page, yeah. yeah. The splash page, that's it. So I, I think it's really cool that they took this moment to, one, write a story about Superman that doesn't feature Superman. Yeah. And... Also, that they really kind of address the, the the primary criticism that a lot of people who don't understand Superman like to throw, which is, well, you know, no, there's no really weight because he can do everything. He can be everywhere. And it's like, no, he, he, he can't. can't. That is the And way. this is why he also doesn't solve – he doesn't respond to every cry for help because people need to be able to help themselves. And the way I like to put it is he's like – after Jason, it's really easy to uh, – analogize this analogize uh, I don't know if that's a word it is now I said it uh, to Marvel and Jason Aaron's Thor run where he establishes that Thor is a god and Thor can actually hear all the prayers and it's the weight on him is choosing which ones he's able to answer and, uh, exactly. and not get to and that is really a great analogy comparing him to Superman in this where he's like yeah I hear most everything that happens in the world and I have to put my faith in humanity that other good people will step up because I can't be everywhere at once, but I'm constantly, that's the weight that's on him. He is constantly hearing everybody and seeing everything that's happening. He is a God among men. So now we're going to turn to another storyline in here called uh, The Game, Mm -hmm. which is, it's a story by Paul Levitz and and Neil Adams. Neil Adams, of course, being a classic Superman artist who's given us so many iconic images and this is probably the best example of the Superman and Lex Luthor dynamic that I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, there it really sums up the paradigm that happens between them over literally the last like forty years. It's the two of them playing chess. Mm-hmm. Like 
they show up for their for this test of wills pretty much because that's Superman uh, sorry that's Lex Luthor's big thing is he wants to prove that he's better than Superman not stronger not faster but smarter and and more in tune with reality yes and they're sitting there and the best this planet has to offer exactly he's an alien scum (laughs) so they're sitting there playing chess and they're evenly matched it's not like Superman's just smacking through him easily it's not like Mm -hmm. Lex is just dominating they're fairly evenly matched until well (laughs) how would you describe it Mike (laughs) Yeah, he, it's just, um, straight up, he owns him. Clark owns him. He goes checkmate, and, uh, Luther is completely surprised. This is where, I like the beginning of this. It falls apart a little bit in the last, like, two, three panels for me. Yeah, because it's this was definitely like, one of the weaker ones. I know, it was like, boom, kryptonite chains come out of nowhere, because he's like, I disagree, I, you, I did not lose. Kryptonite chains, and, and Superman's like, well, I just so happen to have this mother box here. Well, I brought uh, my dinosaur. <laughs> Who eats force field dogs? Exactly, exactly. That can neutralize radiation for three minutes, and it's like, it's like. Eh. I felt like it's, that was a story reason so that mm-hmm. Neil Adams could draw his famous image of Superman breaking through the kryptonite chains. Yeah, which I get. It's an iconic image, but also. It is. Action Comics 1000 also features these pinup pages in between each story that are just these beautiful images yeah. of Superman art. And could that have could have that. easily been that one. So, I, yeah, it's while I like the concept, the execution yeah. is really felt, lacking. Yeah, I felt a little ham-fisted there at the end. But I do like the lead-up a lot. Because, uh, like you said, that is their relationship. And it was a great example of that. Uh, then, going into the next one, and, and of course, because it's, it's Jeff Johns and uh, Richard Connor. Richard Donner. Richard Donner. Oh, Donner. And, man, I love, love the art in it. I love the old-timey feel. And it's just called The Car. And it's it's it examines kind of like the aftermath of what happens in, in Superman's, the, the things that happen around Superman where uh, a kind of low-level thug guy ends up running into him in the middle of the road. And he's just, it's like, what happens after? He takes his car to mechanic and he's like, well, did you hit an elephant? And he's like, no, a man with the underwear on the outside of his pants. And he's like, yeah, sure you did, Bob, but he gets left up in a, a, a telephone pole. But then Superman actually tracks this guy back down after and, and talks about him. And he like he went away and he comes back and he's like, hey, I researched you. You you can either be the man you are or you can be the man you, you want to be or that you wanted to be there for you. Because he sees that he was like, oh, your father died early. You uh, Your mother got sick and you got a job trying to take care of her. And then you were orphaned on 45th Street. And he's like, yeah, the summers were so hot. And we always wanted to go swimming, but we never could because there were no swimming pools. And we just had to fight for ourselves on the streets. And he's like, well, do you want to continue being this person? Or do you want to be the person who was never there for you in this world? It's up to you. And it's him. Like, like, the, like the criminal in the first story, him giving hope to people, believing in the potential for change and being a better person and overcoming character flaws and difficulties in one's life to be able to contribute to society in a, in a greater whole and it's it's really like like it's the kind of the cornerstone of our, our criminal justice reform of a person going paying his dues and times in order to to come out and still be a producing member of society again and then there's just that lovely beautiful page of him just like floating in the air above him cape billowing this 
it's it's gorgeous and he has that like one little curl sticking out and oh yeah he's got the the super, spit curl super iconic what i like about this is it's they don't come out and say it but this is very obviously a follow-up to the very first superman story action comics number one mm, mm, it's, oh it's yeah. the same car that it's you see him picking up picking and, up, and yeah. smashing so they don't they don't outright say it but it's it's hinted at enough where you're like okay i it's a great homage. i kind of get this and the big thing is the mechanic says you know it's not worth fixing the car you, and you you'd be better off just junking it yeah. and that's a line that superman uses in discussing this gentleman's life he says you can mm-hmm. either junk it or fix it and the story ends with this man sitting next to his completely repaired car opening up a fire hydrant for kids to play in the street yeah so it shows just... that he has fixed his life and that it's a great it's kind of the counterpart to the the very first story where you actually see superman changing yeah. someone's life i can't and, and i again I, I i gotta really give it to the the writing team creative team on this because I, it, they give it so much emotional weight and the shade and the darkness of the, the panels and the characters. Oh, Oliver like, Copiel's art and, here is and, amazing. And then the writing for just, just like six pages. Like, you feel the emotional weight behind this character and he's, they establish him so quick. It's just, it's very good. Well, they also bring in people who are very versed with Superman. You got Jeff Johns and then Richard Donner who mm-hmm. gave us the first Superman movie. Yeah. So, and this is not the first time they've worked together. They've worked together uh, previously on, I think it's called Last Sun. It was right after, it was one of the first oh. ones after it, yeah, yeah, after yeah, 52. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, that was a really good arc too. So then we get into the, the, the next part uh, of this particular book and it's a story called The Fifth Season which is another Oh, this is a good one. Too. Superman and Lex Luthor moment. Mm-hmm. Kind of akin to, uh, it, it's kind of drawn in parallel to Superman for all seasons. Yes. Uh, so, Mike, do you want to describe this one? Yes. Uh, so, at the beginning, Lex Luthor gets his hold uh, of two powerful cosmic items, the Eye of Zotar uh, and uh, Kronos Time Scissors. And Superman is like, with these two things, you could literally pick up a, a timeline, a bloodline of people and wipe them out of existence. And he's like, so that's you could kill Superman and his whole time, his whole bloodline uh, instantaneously. And he's at the planetarium, and he's like, Lex tells this harrowing story of how he used to come to the planetarium to escape because seeing all of time from the beginning and everything, it just was in awe to him that makes him feel that there is so much more stuff going on out there and made him feel better about his abysmal home life where his father was beating him. Uh, And he says, he's like, yes, I could use these two cosmic items to do that, or... I could use them to uh, isolate, kind of project a holographic image of and slice away and look at an image of the past, a frame at a time, basically. And he tells us a story about one time where he went to the planetarium and they had made a rudimentary laser for the science fair. And he tried to send a laser uh, SOS through the huge telescope of the planetarium out into space to try to contact with something greater than himself uh and he was like oh, wow it should have it's like i always thought it was i was very lucky because it should have exploded uh the i believe it was the nitrogen and never was never heated i forgot to heat up the nitrogen and i should have died that day uh but through using the cosmic items it's it's scaled back and you see that clark's there as well and he sees that he forgets to heat the nitrogen and he heats it up with his uh heat ray vision uh uh, preventing an accident from harming and potentially killing Lex, and 
it's just this touching moment where he's like, oh, you did save me and we've had this crazy relationship this this whole time. And he talks about the fifth season, which is the season right after winter and right before spring, where two weeks were the craziest of astrological events and meteorological events can happen because it's a weird transition from cold to hot. And then he reveals that he he just tells up straight up tells up Clark, I got the I got the scissors in the eye to kill you. But in seeing that he saved his life, he chose not to. Uh, it's just a small. Again, well, that, that's the thing is, does he? Yeah. It leaves it completely ambiguous as to whether or not Lex spares or kills Superman. And it really yeah. allows you to interpret it. So the cool thing about the story is it's a nod to past continuity where Lex and Clark were both in Smallville together. Mm-hmm. It's a nod to um, the secret origins, which is kind of like the revised origin for Superman after Infinite Crisis. And it's always been kind of wishy-washy in terms of continuity, yeah. but it has now a been confirmed. Bit. So it, it really leaves you to interpret what Lex does here. Because it, it ends with... Superman saying, I know you did. And then the very last line, which is cut off is, but maybe, but maybe dot, dot, dot. And it leaves you there. So it puts it in your hands from an audience perspective. And Mike obviously interprets it as he lets Superman live. Mm-hmm. I interpret it as Superman is now <laughs> gone. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is a kind of choose your own adventure thing. It really it, is. How okay, do you, how do you, do, how do you view Lex Luthor? Mm-hmm. I enjoy. I think this this one's probably your favorite, right? The next. Oh one. yeah, this this is my favorite, and that's actually like the second half of the of the issue itself is a storyline called "Of Tomorrow." It's by mm-hmm. Tom King and Clay Man. Uh, Tom King, obviously the current writer of Batman, and Clay Man has been his his frequent. Well, I like uh, the way it's framed too, because it's a full panel, and it says it's got just Clark saying at the end, and then underneath it is the title of "Of Tomorrow." So I like it's like I like the at the end of tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. So the the whole storyline here is that it's billions of years in the future and Earth is dying. Its orbit is decaying, it's falling into the sun. Earth has been evacuated for, for four billion four years. Four billion years, Earth has I been mean. Evacuated for. And you see Superman and he he's, seems to be talking to himself. And he gets a handful of dirt, uh, of of soil and he mm. clenches it in his fist and he makes a diamond. And you see, as he's sitting there holding this diamond, and the sun is just gaining on the earth. Like yeah. the, 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 or, the sun is fall, the earth is falling into the sun's orbit. Yeah, because the, uh, the sun has expanded into a red giant. So it's very much the same end coming for Earth that came for Krypton. And he's giving this speech, and he's talking about you know how how is how blessed his life is, and how everything's happening. And this entire time, he's using his heat vision on this diamond that he created and he creates a small little figure of his family. Of... I love it too because when he's using the heat vision it almost looks like he's crying heat vision. Well th- yeah, well there's that moment and then there's the moment where you, like right above at the panel you see he is crying but mm-hmm. it's coming off his face in, as steam yeah. because of the temperature, which I absolutely loved. Again, I was in the panel when they talked about this and that was entirely Clay Man's decision like he's drawing it and he's like, yeah, he's, he's the sun's falling, the earth's falling into the sun, and he's crying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's gonna be steam, and it's, it was a really funny moment talking about the science of Superman crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he leaves this little 
diamond sculpture of himself and his Ma and Pa Kent on their headstone. Oh. So he says goodbye one last time as the earth is destroyed. And it's it's a very simple story. Mm-hmm. It's emotionally gripping. And again, the best thing about it is not so much just the art itself, but it's the way the art captures the emotion of the moment. Yeah. And there's some small interesting things there, too. Like, they established that Lois is still alive. Yeah, she's got the infinity formula. The infinity formula. It tastes like grape, and she's so tired of drinking Yeah, it I, I did grape. love that. <laughs> grape used to be her favorite flavor, but it's been a long time. <laughs> it's a lot of grape. Uh, they talk about, you know, John, and I think he says that, you know, you would be so proud of him, mm-hmm. the man he's become. So it, it sets up the future, but also really frames Clark's relationship with his parents. Yeah. And that's the thing is is the way that he sa- he says and addresses them as his parents, not his foster family, not the people who found him and saved him. They are his parents. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed that. Plus, again, the book, the story itself is just stunning. It's beautiful art. Oh, yeah, very much so. And I, yeah, it, it just really stuck with me, too, because it, it, it's it sets up, like, new canon for, for Superman. It's establishing that, like, he pretty much will live forever. Well, they've, they've talked about that previously, and it's always kind of been hinted at. Mm-hmm. And actually, there was a bit of controversy that came out of this issue right after it ended, because everyone's like, I oh, Super, Superman's immortal now. And I'm like, is he immortal, or is he just really, really long-lived? Yeah. Because, let's face it, it's all a matter of perception. Is he, in fact, immortal, mm-hmm. will never die, or does his lifespan just so far off the charts that by comparison to everything else around him, he's yeah, immortal. Like there's been, like, it's like technically there's very few immortal people, even in, like, Marvel Universe, because the, the universe has restarted several times. There's been, there's been, there's been a new infinity and a new eternity for each iteration of the universe that gets reborn. So not even technically infinity. I think the only person who's immortal. been completely reboot proof has been Watcher. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And even he wasn't immortal. Uh, ketchup, mm-hmm. original sin. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so then we get into a storyline called Five Minutes. And this is very much your newsroom story. Yeah. It's very classic. It's got that, you know, I'm Clark Kent, ace reporter. It's drawn by uh, Jerry Ordway, who is a classic, classic artist. So you just look at this opening page and it, it feels like it came right out of the 70s. Like, it's perfect. I love the look of this story. But, I mean, Mike, I mean, how did you feel about this one? Because I know it's, it's it's more classicist, so I really enjoyed it, but you're newer to Superman. Yeah, it's, it didn't it didn't resonate with me as much. Because, yeah, it is that more very, very classic, like, 1960s, 1970s feeling Superman where, um, for, like, like, watching the cartoons of my childhood, it was like, mild-mannered Superman, and, and things like that, and going around and dealing with, like, real, real low-level criminals and a really, really old-looking satellite. Um, but yeah, it was just... It was weird for me. Just uh, him... It's so weird seeing the... The dichotomy of... Him being, like, the, the mild-mannered reporter with the loose tie and everything. Yeah. Versus just going all around the world saving people. I Like, the Superman I, I'm most aware of and know now is, like, is not that reporter guy anymore. He's more Superman all the time now and is like taking care of his family and like uh, it's kind of like how Batman is now Batman is Batman and Bruce Wayne is the alter ego uh, so I, I 
it was just not 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 exactly out of outside my comfort zone, but not used to the way I'm seeing him betrayed because he hasn't been betrayed that way for a long time. At least yeah, that I'm aware of exactly. And this is this is my favorite version of Superman, where he mm-hmm. is the reporter. And the reason it's called Five Minutes is they're up against the, a publishing deadline, and Clark yeah, is working think, on like, this the... story. And right in the middle of finishing it, he hears all of these cries for help, all these small things, and he's like, "Perry, I just need five minutes." I, 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 and he gets up and he runs away and he saves all these people. Like he he stops a train from running the tracks. He stops muggers. He is able to you know, stop that satellite from crashing. Yeah. And he flies back to the Daily Planet, rushes back to his desk, finishes off the article, <laughs> hands it to Perry, and it's been five minutes. Yeah. So it's this really cool thing. You see how he fits being Superman into his quote-unquote day job. Yeah, I guess because it felt more like, to me, this felt like a more like a Peter Parker storyline, a classic Peter Parker storyline. But then again, I never read Superman when he was this. Yeah. So and, I'm like, oh. And we'll okay. talk about kind of that re- return to form uh, a little later. But uh, the next story up is one called Action Land. I do love this one. Yeah, I say I figured this was one of your favorites. It's, it's so weird, and you're like, "What's going on?" And the whole it's this like giant fantasy ride called Action Land, uh, uh, and it's this girl in like a 1950s getup and the, the, like the short skirt and everything, uh, just guiding all these people and like the like world of tomorrow kind of tour about through the life and times of superman and then it turns out it's just mitzelplex mr mitzelplex and his uh his girlfriend giuseppe playing doing role playing and she's like (laughs) oh yeah so weird it's so weird what i like it's a great counterpart to superman uh reborn in that way but I love that it's very much going through like Epcot at <laughs> yes, Disney. <laughs> exactly, and the whole thing is just fantasy role play that a guy can do because he has he can rewrite all reality at once. And and at the end, Giuseppe's like, "Yeah, I don't. You, why are you doing this? You can't. You know, you could you could write Superman out of existence with a thought, but you choose not to because you depend on him because you like him, and he's just as much as part of uh, your story as he is uh, is yours." Uh, and yeah, just the whole thing. It was like, oh wow, this was uh, this was supposed to be some sexy time, fantasy role playing between uh, like omnipotent couples. It's just, it's just weird, yeah, and it's, I love the quirkiness. What I, of it. I, what I love is that every Mixelbook story ha- happens to factor in just that certain amount of creepy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that makes you go, oh, he's a little too close to Superman. Yep, yep. but somehow retain that that sense of whimsy and charm. Uh, the the next story up is called Faster Than a Speeding Bullet, and it is a great little tale. It's done by Brad Ooh. Meltzer, who wrote uh, Justice League for quite some time. He wrote uh, Identity Crisis, and then it's the art by John Cassidy. And if you're not familiar with John Cassidy's art, it's got very simple lines, but he really relies on texture and color. Yeah. So everything has this soft but definitive feel. And the, the resolution between the character frames and the background is really good it, it's it's all it's it's just offset when at distance that when like clark is flying in down into the city and it's got the iconic two hands in front of him view and it's doing a point of view panel and the city line almost looks like it's done in chalk it's it's really yeah, and beautiful. then it pulls out but the yeah. whole the whole point of this issue here is Superman's flying around the city on patrol like he normally is. There's a hostage situation. This man's got a, a, a gun to this woman's head, and he's trying to get everyone to stay back, stay back. 
and he pulls the trigger mm-hmm. and Superman hears the click of the hammer falling. And this is all in the span of the bullet going through the chamber faster than a speeding bullet. And yeah. he's flying, he's pushing himself and he's, he's basically saying I'm close, but this is a game of math. I'm not going to make it. And he's, he's pushing himself harder and harder and harder and right as the bullet is starting to come out of the barrel, he smashes through the wall and catches it. Well, also, the <laughs> the woman whose the gun is on her temple in the fraction of a second when he's coming decides to do the brave thing and pushes her head against the, the muzzle of the gun, thus offsetting it uh, of being straight flat on her and giving Superman that, what do you, I think he says, auto second mm-hmm. longer that he needed to get there in time to save her. And he's like, that was a very brave thing. He, I love it. She's like, like, that was a very brave thing you did. Uh, maybe you should be a cop. And she looks straight in the face and she goes, I just did what Batman would have. Oh, yeah. That... It's like, that was a joke. <laughs> it's so great. I absolutely love that. But it's, it's a great story. I, I love how small it is. You can mm-hmm. see that Superman's trying his hardest to save one life. And it's a great example of him as a hero and it puts in perspective how you can write a superman story because there's always be like he's a god like he what's the weight like this is the weight because he can't he's not the flash he's not the exceedingly fast like that he can't be everywhere at once uh and that's what gives him the good struggle the the struggle of the choice who he can save and who he can't exactly superman storytelling is is, is a story of morality mm-hmm. um so let's take a second here and we're about to dive into the last story in the book, it's called The mm-hmm. Truth. And this is our our first glimpse at Brian Bendis's Superman. And he, pardon the pun here, but he comes in swinging because the mm-hmm. very first thing you see is Superman being knocked through a building. Hard. And Hard. It, yeah. And you see, it, it's not just like, oh, he gets knocked through a building. Like, no, he's hurt. He has blood he's running in bleeding. his Bleeding. He's obviously got a black eye. Yeah. Flies through a building and then flies through LexCorp Tower and slams into the street and he bounces like he's he he got hit hard yeah. and he he flies in through a, like through a restaurant and like crash lands and the waitress sees him and they run over and like oh my god it's him and then like the next thing oh they say gosh. is he's wearing the shorts and he's, wearing, <laughs> he's wearing the shorts on the outside again and then it's just like 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 six panels of this these this waitress and this. Uh, woman who owns the little cafe just talking about his underwear being on the outside just just like oh i like his eyes like you think he can hear us he's wearing the red shorts again it's just it's really funny i I love them highlighting the red shorts thing uh like i talked about the beginning of the cast is (laughs) and the building's about is is catching on fire and it's these two women they're they're dragging superman's unconscious body from the rubble and they're they're dragging him and they try to get him clear and all of a sudden you see who he's up against is this massive character uh his name is rogel czar and Mm -hmm. again i'm gonna cut back to the panel i was in where brian bendis was talking about this character and sounds like it sounds like a a thickly accented man clearing his throat. Oh, Rogelzar! It's actually, oh, Rogelzar is named after the nurse he had when he was in the hospital fighting his staph infection. Uh, oh my god. Because her, her last name was Rogel, and he, he he's telling her, he's like, yeah, I write comics, I'm gonna name a, com- I'm gonna name a character after you, 
And she's like, yeah, whatever, dude, you're high on medication. <laughs> and he, he, he's talking about how the next day she comes in, and he's like, she'd obviously Googled me because she comes like, I want my character to look like this, and I want to have this power, I want to do these things. He's like, yeah, you're going to be a big, ugly monster. <laughs> um, so he's like, I, it's, he's, he was talking about how it was so hilarious to have this woman who is a doctor at the top of her field, and she comes in wanting to be like the sex kitten in the comics, like Red Sonia, like skimpy little bikini and stuff. He's like, no, you're, you're a big, hairy monster. <laughs> um, so Rogelzar comes in, he's just bellowing Kryptonian, he's there to kill him. And the cool thing is, right here, Supergirl shows up. And she comes in hard and is just wailing on him. And he and just hits right back and for she the, gets bloodied again. Yeah, she gets smacked aside and keeps flying. That There's a cool little moment here, especially for those people who have maybe read uh, the New 52 Supergirl, is there's potential for Supergirl to actually be stronger than Superman because yeah. she spent so much time orbiting the sun. Yeah. So just factoring that in, and the fact that she's faster than him, and... She just gets slapped aside, so this guy can take on two Kryptonians and, and keep going. Yeah, and then we cut away to them talking about his underpants. They're again. still talking about the shorts. It's so great. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, like I heard somewhere that it, it it's the symbol of these that means hope. That I don't know. He's an alien from another planet. He wears another one outside his pants. And it means hope. It's like I don't. I think I heard another girl's like I think I heard that too. Yeah, hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny because like that's how things would operate in the real world. Like you'd be like. It was like a game of telephone. Like, the S stands for hope. No, it would get misconstrued and be like, oh, yeah, the underwear stands for hope. (laughs) It's like, she's like, but he's been wearing it. He's been here long enough, and he knows that other people don't wear the underwear on the outside, and that doesn't know what hope means for him. And she's like, he's an alien. He doesn't know. And the cool thing is, Superman wakes up, and one of the first things out of his mouth is, sorry about the mess. Yeah. And he goes and he flies against Rogelzar again. He's blasting him with heat vision. He gets smacked aside. He goes in for another hit, and he gets just completely waylaid and he gets knocked out again and he's flying and he starts to come to as he realizes he's hurtling into a bookstore yeah directly in front of people yeah and he like throws on the brakes as hard as he can and basically screeches to a halt right outside the glass it's actually kind of a really cool panel because it shows him like stop and he slides to a stop and there's a woman on the inside who's just like staring at him (sighs) and he's kind of got that Hi, moment, and yeah. then, boom, Rogelzar comes in again and just takes him down to the ground. Yeah. And there's very little information you're getting about him. All he keeps saying is that he's there to, to cleanse this cleanse world. The Kryptonians. Of the Kryptonians. Of the Kryptonians. And Supergirl comes flying in again, and he she just gets blasted aside. Yeah. And Rogelzar raises his weapon, which is kind of like this really awesome axe, axe sword yeah, thing. Axe sword, yeah, that's where we put it. Um... And he says, basically, this is it. You know, Krypton finally dies, just like I promised Jor-El. Yeah, the Kryptonian sickness. Krypto- yeah, the Kryptonian sickness, sickness. finally dies, oh. just like I promised Jor-El. And then he drives the sword into Superman's chest, and the last line of dialogue is, When I destroyed the, the planet, planet of Krypton. Krypton. What the fuck? Yeah, this is a big game changer. Yeah. And talking about the impact of all this this is probably the only element of this book that really sets up the next era of storytelling oh, yeah. because after this book everything else is like out of continuity and in context and it's just kind of like small anthology anthology stories where this one is like directly relevant to what's going on right yeah. now with the superman oh, because it's powerful right after this this issue 
Brian Bendis's Superman run really started. Yep. And it started with a six-issue miniseries called Man of Steel, mm-hmm. which is, again, a nod to um, the uh, re- the reboot after Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. where Superman's origin was retold in a five-issue series called The Man of Steel. And Man of Steel, I'm not going to go big into it here. I'm just going to say that what you saw at the end of Action Comics takes place at the end of Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. So, and Man of Steel is kind of told in a way where it jumps back and forth in continuity. And once you read the whole six issues, you get a better example of the story. It's really cool. I recommend you check it out, especially if you're a big Superman fan or wanting to get in touch with Brian Bendis' run because now he's leading both books. He's doing both action comics and Superman. So I would definitely check check it out. I'd be jumping to recommends. Like, yeah, I, I would say just start Superman Reborn going straight into uh, when Action Comics relaunched and into Man of Steel altogether. That's about 50 issues, and it's all happened in the last, what, two to three years? Yep. Uh, and it's it's some of the best Superman writing and storytelling I've ever read, ever. Not saying much for me, because I never read so much Superman, but I, I believe Joe will echo the same sentiments, <laughs> and that's saying a lot from him, who's read almost all Yeah, Superman. I've read a lot of Superman over the years, so I, I it's... It carries my stamp of approval, yeah. I mean, which I didn't think it would. Me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's our, our premiere episode for season mm-hmm. two, guys. Uh, got some cool things coming on this season. In fact, later this year, we're planning on doing our very first listener request special. Yes. So we want to hear from you guys and about what character you would like Absolutely. us to cover and you discuss. You can get us on Twitter at Hall of Justice yeah. and let us know what the character you want us to cover is Just make think sure about who are you really curious about who do you not know buff about that you want us to do a deep dive and you're like tell me comic book men tell me oh comic book men got canceled Aww. oh well uh but again yeah hit us on twitter we are the new comic book men <laughs> <laughs> hit us on twitter at hall of justice uh make mm-hmm. sure you use the hashtag listener request so we can make sure we find your responses yes and, please, and we'll... uh, like uh, like us and review us on the itunes uh, the itunes reviews help a lot for helping us find new people and really getting your feedback and, and telling us how we're doing so we really appreciate those uh and uh all right guys that's for it listening. for us yeah later Bye.